Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. WRKS Pickens Jackson. You ready? Let's go! Now live in the Bank Plus studio, where college football meets the all-lifestyle. Ladies and gentlemen, this is the Out of Bounds Show with Bo Bounds. Streaming around the world live at the Out of Bounds radio app. And on your radio at ESPN 105.9. Where are you? The Zone. Out of Bounds, ESPN 105.9 The Zone, live in the Big Plus studio and streaming worldwide in the Out of Bounds radio app. By the way, I'm a fan. That's right. You can be a fan of the show and a fan of the app. Just download it. It's free in the Google Play Store or the Apple App Store. Keep you locked and loaded on the hottest content in the SEC and beyond. Of course, you can stream the show live. Or you can listen to the podcast, check out the videos, whatever it might be that's interesting you. Well, you can get it all on the Out of Bounds radio app. Blake Scott filling in for Bo Bounce. Hour number three as we roll right along on a Monday morning talking SEC baseball, softball, football, and everything in between. Even a little recruiting because at the end of the day, we ain't going nowhere. We ain't going nowhere. That's right. The show must go on. And so it will. The Out of Bounds Show, of course, brought to you by Madison Regional Academy, MRA, Patriots excelling on the field and off as they win in the classroom as well as the gridiron, the diamond, or the hardball court. That's right. MRA, Madison Regional Academy. Schedule your tour today, whether it's for the elementary school, junior high, high school, whatever it might be. Get in where you fit in at Madison Ridgeland Academy. Out of Bounds, ESPN 105.9 The Zone. Just heard from Steve Robertson and Dave Bartu. Steve dropping the knowledge on Mississippi State softball with a big-time program-defining upset as they take two games from Florida State on Sunday. The number two national seed upset in Tallahassee. Bulldogs take down the Seminoles. And as Steve mentioned, Mississippi State baseball and softball having success down in Tallahassee. Seminoles not going to want to see the maroon and white of Mississippi State coming anytime soon. The Bulldog baseball team, well, not quite as successful this season as the softball program. Baseball finishes 9-21 and in conference play. Dogs just not, not built the way they needed to be built this year. Didn't have the firepower on the mound or 
in the roster. And uh, you saw a lack of leadership, maybe a void that uh, formed after Jake Mangum and Tanner Allen go five seasons of pretty dominant leadership in that locker room. You just had, you're going to have those bubbles every now and then. And Mississippi State unable to get through it. They finish under 500, obviously not going to the postseason. And the dogs will uh, have a lot of work to do in the offseason. Ole Miss, 14 and 16, they are on that bubble. They could absolutely be in the postseason, even if they lose to Vanderbilt in the SEC tournament. However, you really don't want to lose to Vanderbilt in the SEC tournament. You need to find a way at 14 and 16, Vandy's 14 and 16. You need to find a way tomorrow night at 4.30 Central Time to beat Vanderbilt. A win against Vandy would be absolutely massive in getting you to the postseason and extending Mike Bianco's tenure in Oxford. That's right. You've heard it on this show all year long. Bo and I have said it both. I'll say it again. I think that when this season ends, barring a run to Omaha with some wins in Omaha, barring that, I believe Mike Bianco will be done in Oxford when this season's over. And so the Ole, excuse me, the Ole Miss Rebels trying to keep that season going with a nice little run. Can they make it into the postseason? And then once they're there, what can happen? They'll be one of the more talented teams in their regional, more likely than not. As long as they're not sent somewhere uh, pretty pretty tough. Like You don't want to go to a Lubbock. You don't want to go to Tennessee, obviously. I doubt they would put an SEC team in a regional with another SEC team, but you never know. And so we'll see what Ole Miss is able to do. They play tomorrow, Vanderbilt, 430. And I think we'll have Michael Katz on tomorrow to preview that as we talk a little SEC baseball tournament over in Hoover. It never means anything until it does, right? We talk about that all the time. Hoover last year meant nothing for Mississippi State. It's meant nothing for plenty of teams who have gone through, done poorly, won games, whatever, and then come out and went on to do what they did, getting to Omaha, potentially winning the College World Series. But when it matters, it matters. And for Ole Miss and Vanderbilt, both sitting at 14 and 16, Hoover matters. A win and you're in. There's no doubt about that. A win locks you into the postseason at 15 and 16 in conference play. At 14 and 17, could you get in? Absolutely. Will you get in? It depends a lot on what other automatic bids are stolen. Does a conference who's got four or five teams that are going to be in on their record, do they have a team win the conference tournament and steal an automatic bid that otherwise would not have been in, and that bumps a team like Ole Miss down? I don't know. And I'm not sure that Ole Miss is built pitching-wise to make a run in the postseason. But they have hitting ability. We saw that even against A&M. In game two, they win 12 to five, I believe. And they had the firepower. They had what they needed. Ole Miss's offense has struggled at times, but they've had, for the most part, the ability to hit the baseball. And when they went on that seven game win streak, they were pitching the baseball. And that's going to be the key. 
Can the Ole Miss pitching staff find a way to just gut out some innings over the course of Hoover and then hopefully a regional for the Rebels? We'll see. Out of bounds, ESPN 105.9 The Zone. Blake Scott filling in for Bo Bounds. We talked about this earlier. I want to jump back into this discussion. We want to hear your thoughts on the Ag Up Equipment text line 601-885-3776. The Ag Up Equipment text line when you need a John Deere tractor. Visit agup.com for a retail location near you. We talked about this earlier. Mississippi State wins over Florida State in two day in two games in one day. The number two national seed loses at home back to back games. That's a massive collapse. In the PGA Championship, Chilean golfer Mito Pereira had a multi-stroke lead headed into the back nine of the final round. He had a one-stroke lead, a one-stroke lead heading into hole 18 of the PGA Championship, and he double bogeys 18. He falls to third place, and he collapses down the back nine. Collapses down the back nine in route to losing the PGA Championship. So that brought up the question, and I want to hear more from you listeners on the AgUp Equipment text line. We'll get into it on the other side of the break. Best sports collapses of all time. Instantly, we go to the Falcons-Patriots. Falcons had a 28-3 lead in the Super Bowl. They fall apart. Epic collapse. Thought about some golf ones. Greg Norman, the 96 Masters. Epic collapse. You could argue Mississippi State baseball this year was an epic collapse after last year. But I don't know. It's a different team. So was it an epic collapse or were expectations higher than what this team ever had the capability of meeting? I don't know. War Eagle Rich is right. We talked about this one. Auburn's collapse against Mississippi State. 25-point lead at home to a very average Mississippi State Mike Leach ball club last year. And the Dogs come back and win against Auburn. They're down 25 points. And they came back and won at Auburn. Maybe the Air Raids got a chance. I don't know. ESPN 105.9 The Zone. Want to hear from you. Your thoughts on the best sports collapse. Best sports collapse. In history, 601-885-3776. Were you there? Did you witness one in person? I've seen some good collapses. I want to hear from you. On the other side, this is the Out of Bounds Show, ESPN 105.9 The Zone. I have to tell you about this game-changing product I use before a night out with drinks. It's called Z-Biotics. Let's face it, after a night out with drinks, I don't bounce back the next day like I used to, and I have to make a choice. I can either have a great night or a great next day, and that is until I found Z-Biotics. Every time I have a Z-Biotics before drinks, I notice a difference the next day. Even after a night out, I can confidently plan on hosting this show and being awesome without worry. Look, I won't lie. I was a bit on the fence about Z-Biotics initially, but then while hanging out with friends over cocktails, I gave it a shot. And believe me, it is the real deal. 
Go to zbiotics.com slash OOB to get 15% off your first order when you use OOB at checkout. Remember to head to zbiotics.com slash OOB and use the code OOB at checkout for 15% off. Thank you, Zbiotics, for sponsoring this episode and our good times. Out of bounds, ESPN 105.9 The Zone, live in the Bank Plus studio and streaming worldwide on the Out of Bounds radio app. The Out of Bounds show is brought to you by Fleetway Market. Fuel up at Fleetway. Whether you're headed to the lake, maybe down to the beach. It is beach season, right? No matter where you're headed, head to Fleetway and fuel up at Fleetway Market. Whether you're fueling up the car, you're fueling up the stomach, you need some craft beer, or a great home-cooked meal, I prefer the Fleetway Market Market Cafe out in Gluckstadt. Get off the interstate in Gluckstadt, take a right. It's right there on the right side of the interstate. Fleetway Market Market Cafe has a delicious array of southern favorites, fried chicken, mac and cheese, cornbread, all the good stuff at Fleetway Market and the Market Cafe in Gluckstadt. Out of bounds, ESPN 105.9 The Zone. M Braves are on the road this week. They will head to Pensacola. That's right. To Pensacola to take on the Pensacola Blue Wahoos. And then they'll be coming back next week for a home stretch to start June. So we're excited about the M Braves. As always, the Mississippi Braves and the Out of Bounds Show, a partnership made in heaven. That's right. So you want to check out the Embrace when they come back in town next week. They're out out of town this week, but they'll be back next week. And if you do make a trip to the beach this week, well, if you're in Pensacola, you can check out the Embraves, get a little baseball on the horizon. Out of Bounds, ESPN 105.9 The Zone. We were talking Mike Bianco and the Ole Miss baseball team. Could they make the postseason? What would that mean? And can Mike Bianco extend his tenure in Oxford? We also were talking Jimbo Fisher, Nick Saban, Texas A&M, and Alabama. And for all the back and forth and the jawing, and it look, don't forget, as Jimbo mentioned in his three, well, in the three minutes that we played on the air, but I think it's a 10-minute press conference that he just goes off in. He mentions this is the second time he's had to have this conversation in public with people pointing fingers. You know, he's referencing when Lane Kiffin kind of went after Jimbo and Texas A&M early in this offseason. And so Jimbo's kind of been jawing back and forth with Lane Kiffin. He called him a clown boy, if you remember correctly. That's where our drop that we love so much. A guy named Slice Bread. That's where that comes from. That's the Kiffin rant. And now we have Jimbo going after Saban. It's really despicable. Where he used the word despicable 28 times in about five minutes, right? 
called Saban the god of college football. Said that he's been named the czar of college football. Go check out his past. Go check out what Nick Saban's been up to. In fact, right here is exactly what Jimbo Fisher said about Nick Saban. And what's funny, in that talk, right before he said that about us, wasn't he soliciting funds from the crowd? It's amazing, wasn't it? To the left, Rob. When you walk on water, I guess it don't matter. When you walk on water, I guess it don't matter. Jimbo's on one, and he's fired up, and rightfully so. And I get, look, the fan base is behind him right now. But Jimbo needs to be careful because you know what happens when you rile people up like this and you get you get him all excited and your fan base is feeling vindicated. Saban came after us and our, our coach stood up for us. He fought for A&M. He's, a, he's an Aggie through and through, right? That's all well and good, and it, and it feels good to say, and it gets people excited on the message boards as we sit here in May. But you know what has to happen? When you do things like that, when you talk the talk that Jimbo Fisher is talking, you have to walk the walk. They finished 8-4 and four last year, ranked 25th. They skipped out on their bowl game because they knew they'd probably lose. It's a team that lost to Mississippi State, Arkansas, Ole Miss, and LSU. Sure, they beat Alabama. And that gives Jimbo all the cachet in the world, right? To run his mouth and to finally tell everybody how he feels about Nick Saban. He's probably felt this way a long time. But when you never beat the man, you can't talk about the man, can you? And Jimbo finally got his win. And he's feeling good. He's feeling good. He's not going to feel very good if they go 8-4 and four again. You know who else won't feel good? The A&M fan base. You go 4-4 four and four in the SEC again this year, you lose to Alabama at Alabama, which is likely to be the case. How, how are those feelings going to be around College Station when they come out of Tuscaloosa licking their wounds? How's it going to feel when A&M drops another one to an Ole Miss or an MSU or an Arkansas? That's a Texas A&M team that went 8-4 and four last year. They averaged 29 points a game. That's 56th in the country. Their head coach is an offensive guy. 56th in the country in offensive scoring. Their head coach is an offensive guy. In his four seasons at Texas A&M, Jimbo Fisher has lost four games, five games. He went 9-1 and one in the COVID year where he did not play Alabama, or Ole Miss, I should say, and he's lost four games. Nine and four, eight and five, nine and one, eight and four. He's an eight and four coach, guys. He is an eight and four coach. He has yet to sign a QB that's a difference maker. He has yet to put together an offense that's explosive, that's dynamic, that stresses defenses. 
Who did you think about when you talked about dynamic offense last year? It wasn't Texas A&M. You thought about Alabama. You thought about Ole Miss. You didn't think about Texas A&M. Heck, you even thought about Mississippi State because at least they were doing something different and the air raid, if nothing else, requires you to change your defensive philosophy for a game. At least there's some dynamic nature in that. Texas A&M is running the same offense that Jimbo Fisher ran when he was coaching under Bobby Bowden at Florida State. So Jimbo can run his mouth all he wants, and he can bark at Saban, and yeah, you beat him. Congratulations, you finally beat him one time. You didn't do anything with it, Jimbo. You didn't do anything with it. You went eight and four, and you beat Alabama. So when you're running your mouth all offseason, and he will continue, I think, to be who he is. And the older he gets and the more entrenched he gets in what he thinks and believes, the more vocal he's become. Things did not end well at Florida State for Jimbo Fisher with the administration, with the athletic department, and with the fan base. I don't know that it's going any differently at Texas A&M. And the timeline might be shorter because unless he somehow finds a Jameis Winston-esque type quarterback, and what I mean by that is someone who is a program changer and clearly the best in their division, I don't know how Jimbo gets over the hump. Kirby found a way to win it without a dynamic quarterback and without a dynamic offense. But it took some injuries for Alabama, and it took a lot of the rest of the country being down offensively for that to line up. Is that going to happen again? I don't know. But if I'm Jimbo Fisher and the Aggies, I'm not betting on it. Jimbo's got his work cut out for him. And the more cashes, the more checks he writes with his mouth, he's going to have to figure out how to cash on the field in the fall. Out of bounds, ESPN 105.9 The Zone, SEC Insider Hit, coming up next. Press the button, my friend. The Out of Bounds Show is live, live from the Whiskey 61 Lounge in the Bank Plus Studio. Check, check, check it out. Good morning. Welcome in. Your SEC Insider Hit today is brought to you by Farm Bureau Insurance. Bundle your auto and home. Save with your local Farm Bureau Insurance agent. They will take care of you and your family in any of the 82 counties in the state of Mississippi. We're live in the Bank Plus studio. Our guests join us on the Corona Premier Guest Line. We welcome in our friend Brad Edwards. Spent 25 years at ESPN in the world of college football. And some hoops and baseball. And uh, Brad joins us on 105.9 The Zone. Brad Edwards, good morning. Good morning, Bo. How is everything? Well, now that you're on the phone, I hear your voice. It's better. I hope you're doing well. Good. Good. It's been a while. It has. Um, we're going to drop some audio for you. And uh, Nick Saban's at a golf tournament last week talking about parody. And uh, we got a big chuckle out of it. But I'd like to get your thoughts, Blake. Well, you know, I think one of the things that I'd like to see us be able to work back to is you know, everything in college football has always had parity. You know, same scholarship, you know, same 
academic support, healthcare, whatever it is. And um, you know, I don't think we have that balance right now, which could affect you know the parity of college football and college athletics as a whole. So, um, and I know we got a lot of good people working on it, and uh, I'm sure they'll come up with a good solution for us. All right, and then Lane Kiffin uh, quote tweeted that and said basically that uh, does Nick Saban even know what parity is? Uh, Brad Edwards, you covered the sport for a long time, and you got to see a few eras come and go and teams come and go. Um, your thoughts on Nick Saban talking parity in college football? Yeah, what he means is if we start right now, it's going to take several years to actually accomplish this. And so by the time I finish dominating and I retire, <laughs> then parity can be in place. That's that's what he means. Um, no, I, I've I've heard Saban talk about this stuff many times over the years, and I, I don't know, maybe it was because he used the word parody. I, I don't know why it was such a big deal this time, uh, but, he, but he's been saying this for over a decade now, that there, certain things are uh, not to the advantage of the well-being of the sport, I, I guess is is the best way to put it. And, and so you you, you kind of have this dichotomy between you know there being a guy who uh, not only wants to dominate but is actually dominating, and at the same time wanting what is best for college football. And it, you know at times those seem to be at odds with each other. But I mean let's let's go back to about ten years ago or so. You know when his defenses were, were having trouble as everybody else was with these you know spread up tempo offenses, and and he said. Is this what we want football to be? And everybody interpreted that to mean, oh, he can't compete this way, so therefore he wants to to keep the sport from being like this because he's going to fall behind. I think what he meant was we're going to have an even better advantage if this is what you want this to be because the more plays there are in a game, the more it favors the team with the better players, and we have the better players. So. So if, if you want to play like this, do so at your own risk because it's going to give us more of an advantage than we already have. Yeah. And, and look what happened. Okay, as soon as Alabama decided to open up the offense, with Lane Kiffin obviously being the guy who, who really started that uh, back in 2015, 14, 2014, um, look what's happened to Alabama's offense. And uh, it has, has been – um, if not the best in college football over that span, certainly right up there with you know with with Oklahoma and whomever else you you might throw into that conversation. Uh, but but now they've gone from being a, a program that dominated on defense to one that that really beats you uh, with their offense. And and then you've seen the same thing in the last few years, where Saban actually even when they went to the playoff, uh, Saban was like. Are you are you sure this is what you want to do? Because, you know, as he was saying, this it, it's not the best thing for the bowl system. You know, it's gonna it's gonna make some of these other bowl games even less meaningful than they already are, and, and that that's true. Um, but but what's happened is the playoff has made it more likely that the best team is going to win. I mean, you you could have one big upset in a single game. But when you get to where you got to get to the, to that point and win two games against top competition, the odds of of the underdog coming out on top. In fact, have we even seen it in the playoff era? I don't think so. No. You know, I mean, 
th- th- there's always been a big difference between being good enough to get to the playoff and being good enough to win it. And the truth is only four or five teams are actually good enough to win it any given year. And and I think Saban saw that and he asked, is this what we want? And everybody's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and of course, now we see the same thing with the transfer portal. We see the same thing with NIL. Every change that is made that people think is going to make the sport better, and, and, and maybe these things have made the sport better, but what they've also done is that they have made the rich richer. And, of course, Alabama is, is up at the top of, of the rich, and, and especially with Saban there. Um, the gap between them and most other teams in the country just keeps getting wider and wider because of all these things. And I think that's what he's getting at is that, is look, at some point we've got to reel this stuff back in and give everybody else a chance because if Alabama's not winning it, it's going to be Georgia or LSU or Clemson or Ohio State. Is there anyone else that even has a shot? I mean, I'm, you know, you've got to recruit at a certain level to have a chance to win those last two games against that level of competition. And at the moment, I mean, look, maybe if USC gets it going, they could have that type of talent. But there, there aren't many, many programs in the country that are even capable of getting there. And, and I, I think that's the essence of what he's trying to say. Is he going to care if nobody does anything and he wins three more national titles? Probably not. No. And where you're going, Brad Edwards uh, spent 25 years at ESPN, joins us on the Corona Premier Guest Line. Even since we expanded from the BCS, which you were all over, you were ESPN's BCS insider. Since we expand to the four teams in college football, we haven't had four teams that could win it in the college football playoff. Brad? Yeah, you know, I would say the one exception to that would be 2017. And that was when uh, Alabama got in as the four seed. And that was even controversial. You may remember Ohio State had two losses that year. Uh, but they were a Big Ten champion, and there was debate as to who should get the fourth spot. And Alabama got in as the fourth seed, and they end up you know, beating Clemson, the one seed in the semifinal. And then you had that incredible Georgia-Oklahoma Rose Bowl as the other semifinal, and, and obviously another incredible game uh, with overtime yet again in the championship. So you could make an argument 2017, even if maybe you throw Ohio State in the mix and say it's possible five teams, any of those five teams could have won it that year. In my opinion, that was Oklahoma's best team that we, I mean. Oh, when they played Georgia out in the Rose Bowl to get there? Yeah, that's that's the one that that blew the lead against Georgia and Baker Mayfield. I I would say um, that was probably the best team Oklahoma has had since 2008. So that if, if Oklahoma was going to have a chance to win it, that was that was their chance. And they were good enough. They they could have won the national championship uh if they'd gotten by Georgia, but uh but they didn't, obviously. The only other the only other year I would point to would be the very first one, two thousand fourteen, which also was a year where the four seed won the playoff. That was the Ohio State Cardell Jones uh team and the the thing is though that year the four best teams were not the teams that were in the playoff although that's I think that's often the case the four best teams aren't actually the four that are in there Florida State was undefeated defending national champion they had to be in but they weren't that good and they had had a lot of close calls during the season managed to survive the fifth team the the one that didn't get in uh, was TCU and and Ole Miss fans remember how good that TCU team was because they had to play them in the bowl game. 
So I, I think there were four teams. Um, if you substitute TCU for, for Florida State, I think there were four teams that year that might have been good enough to win it. But, okay. but you're right. I mean, most, most of the team mo- – excuse me, most, most of the time, um, there is no more than – I don't know. I would say most of the time – Two? You've got two teams, maybe three, that are good enough to win. Last year, was, last year obviously, there were two. Um, so it's just it's, – it's, it's just – we've gotten to a point – this is very different, Bo. I mean, you remember – I mean, you don't even have to be as old as we are, you know, to go back. Um, and when I say that, I mean, like, you know, anywhere in the range of 50. I mean, go go back to the BCS years. I mean, think about there there was a there was a national championship game in 2010 between Auburn and Oregon, neither of which put very many players into the NFL. That's a good point. You know, and, and I mean, Cam Newton was – the difference that year because he was just, I mean, he was just an all time great college football player, but um, you know, you don't have to go back all that far to have some seasons where there were some teams that were, you know, seriously in the mix for the national championship uh, that didn't have, you know, the type of talent that the best teams have. I think those days, first of all, you're right. You're spot on. And I think those days are over with the way yeah. that Saban and Unless Smart changes. Yeah, because yeah. Brad, you know this. Once Saban got in and realized, all right, I, I'm not just gonna, I'm not just gonna recruit in the Sun Belt. If I want a player in California or New Jersey or wherever, I'll go get him. I'll go even more into the South Florida if I choose to do so. Uh, I, I just think that totally changed, and people adjusted and adapted to that, like Smart. And I think we'll have some others. Napier, you mentioned Lincoln Riley. I think he's going to bring them back. That's a good point. I think we're so far from that 2010 example today. How do you see it? Yeah, no, you're you're right. And I mean, it's not that long ago, but at the same time, you look at the recruiting rankings, and um, yeah, I I don't. I mean, look, we we can't sit there and go back and try to analyze recruiting uh, any further than what 20 years ago. Probably right. not even quite 20 years ago. Um, but but what you just said is is absolutely true, which is that not so long ago it was a a local and regional sport as far as the recruiting went. I mean it was it was rare for schools to have a lot of players in their roster who weren't at least from a bordering state. You know you know more than two more than one state over. You, you didn't have a whole lot of guys on the team like that. Now the best teams have a bunch of them. Um, and I mean, even Texas A&M, like this this past recruiting class that, that obviously got so much praise and so much attention. I mean, the Texas schools have always taken pride on not having to go outside the state to, to fill a talented roster. And and Jimbo, and, and this is you know this is not year one Jimbo. This is Jimbo after having been there for a few years and seeing what he could do within the state. Even in Texas, Jimbo decided, hey, I need to go all over the country and grab guys if I'm going to be able to compete. And, of course, the other part of this now is is NIL, where you start looking at these collectives and the way that the schools that are able to just pile up money from boosters um, are able to do more than the schools that have less money. I mean, we're widening the gap again. And the, the schools with money are the same ones that are up there at the top. Now, look, there there could be some others like an A and M 
that hadn't been up there for the last few years that that maybe now this levels the playing field for them because they can kind of buy their way in. Um, maybe you know there's some others like that in the Power Five, but if but if you're if you're the, the typical Power Five team, you have less of a chance competing for four and five stars now than you did two years ago. Yes, and yeah, and I and I you know is that good for the sport? It it's hard to say how it could be. Brad Edwards, 25 years at ESPN, college football insider on the Out of Bounds show. Uh, so, Southern Cal, I'll never forget you telling me, I don't remember, 18 years ago or whatever, um, you were traveling around with ESPN and you you went to a, uh, you attended a, I think a Tuesday practice with Pete Carroll at Southern Cal. And you said, Bo, you will not believe it, but Pete Carroll goes ones versus ones yeah. in practice. So you know what that program can be again. And Lincoln looks like he is getting after it in both recruiting and the transfer portal. Would you be surprised if he's the first one to kind of bring a team back that we know has been there before, Brad? No, I, I wouldn't be. Um, I, I, I think the, the question is, uh, can he recruit on the Pete Carroll level? Because that's what it's going to take to catch up with the, you know, with the Alabamas and Georgias and, you know, Ohio States, whatever. He didn't recruit poorly at Oklahoma, um, but, you know, obviously when those teams – and look, I mean, Bob Stoops obviously built it, Lincoln took over, and he wasn't there so long that you would say that he – I mean, maybe his last year he finally had his team in there where it was like all his guys. But, um, um, but you know, most of his teams were kind of made up of a lot of inherited players. So it's really hard to say um, how well he can build a program at this stage. But, you know, the, the last couple of years they, they did – drop off a little bit, which, which I, I, you know, I don't know, I'd say that concerns me, but it doesn't, it, it doesn't give me a ton of confidence that he's an elite head coach, uh, having, having seen the program take a small step back after he had all of his own guys in there. So, um, you know, can he recruit at a level higher than what he was doing? Um, and he's going to have to, he's going to have to, because he's going to need talent on both sides of the ball. You don't need to be what Georgia was this past year. Now, now Georgia this past year needed to be that defensively <laughs> um, in order to win the national title. But in most years, you're not going to need a defense of that caliber uh, as, as if anyone could actually do that again. <laughs> um, you're not going to need that to win the national championship uh, most seasons. You're, you're going to need a great offense and a serviceable defense, which is something he never had at Oklahoma. So that's where the recruiting is going to come in. Now, being in Southern California, he should have enough talent available uh, to be able to dominate uh, his area and the rest of the Pac-12. But, you know, another thing that's different, Bo, from when Pete Carroll was there, you know, we talked about how much it's changed since even 2010. Right. It, it, Carroll had locked down the state of California, certainly Southern California, but really most of the state. Any, any player in that state he wanted, he got. I, I don't know that that's necessarily true now for Lincoln Riley. I mean, even if he has success, there has already been such a, a mass exodus of the, the top talent in that state going uh, mostly to the southeast that th there's a draw there, and, and he's going to have to really prove it on the field, I think, in order to, to 
be able to accomplish what Carroll did as far as building that wall around California uh, or, or the West Coast in general, because, you know, it, it's going to take USC either winning a national championship or coming close for players to buy in, you know, to that yeah. being possible um, and then wanting to go to USC instead of an Alabama or, a you know, Georgia, Ohio State, whatever. Brad Edwards on the Out of Bounds show and the Corona premier guest line. Do you think, Ohio, real quick, do you think Ohio State could get hurt? It, Cristobal, I don't know how much he'll win, but I think Cristobal and Napier are going to keep more players in the state of Florida. I think they're going to get after yeah. it and, and be aggressive, Brad. And I'm hearing some good things from both. Uh, could that hurt Ohio State, who who started dipping hard into Florida and getting kids to fly through Atlanta and get to Columbus? How do you see that, Brad? Yeah, you know, I have a hard time uh, deciding who I think it's going to affect the most. Uh, certainly Ohio State's gotten some good players out of there, but so has Alabama. I mean, you think about, I mean, just at, at receiver alone, you know, Alabama got uh, Amari Cooper, Calvin Ridley, and Jerry Judy three in a row, all out of South Florida. I mean, that's right there in, in what's now Chris, Cristobal's backyard. Um, just, I mean, took them. Those are players that would have, in the past, always gone to Miami. And they were, you know, all just very, very important players for championship teams that Alabama had. You know, and then, uh, I don't know, like, uh, I mean, Georgia gets some guys. Clemson has gotten guys out of Florida, maybe not, you know, all the way down to South Florida. Um, but I, I think it's just going to be more difficult for everybody to go down there. Maybe maybe for Ohio State it's a bigger deal just because they're not going to get as much talent in their region as, mm. as some of the – like, you know, look, I mean, Alabama is obviously not going to build a championship team mostly from the state of Alabama. But even if they lose a few guys from Florida, they can pick up, you know, they can pick up somebody else from Georgia or Louisiana or whatever. I mean, just they can they can still get enough guys out of that region of the country, whereas Ohio State pretty much is going to have to get about half their starters um, from well away from Columbus in order to be able to, to continue to compete at this level. So um, I don't know. Hey, maybe maybe this is what Saban needs for his parody, right? <laughs> <laughs> Some great recruiters to end up at uh, in Florida and California, and and if that happens, that that will put a little bit of a dent. And I, I tell you who it is advantage to though. I think it's advantage to Georgia because. Georgia, there's so much talent in that state. I know Kirby goes out of state and gets guys, but he doesn't have to. Um, I, I want to say, I want to say that um, Georgia was, I believe, second in the uh, most players drafted in the in the recent NFL draft. Right, state of Georgia high schools. So, I mean, it's there. There's enough there that Kirby doesn't have to leave the state to to have if not the best roster, at least still very close to it. So, so I, I don't know that he's as dependent as some of the others are uh, on, on going into Florida to get, to get great players. Blake, do you have a, we've got two minutes yeah, or less. It's quick. So okay. we started this whole thing about parody. And one of the things that Bo and I came up with was this list. And I said, obviously you have right now, Alabama, Georgia, Ohio state have the talent profile year in and year out to be title contenders. But then we came up with six other schools that I said, you know, if they have the right QB, right, they other things line up for them. LSU, Florida, Southern Cal, 
Texas, Clemson, and Miami. Of those, LSU, Florida, and Clemson have shown you they can do it in recent years. The other three haven't. Do you agree with that list? And also, is there another team who you might put on that list of any given year they have the talent profile if they hit the QB position the right way? Yeah, and you know, when you said that, you just reminded me, um, as much as I'm saying that it's kind of advantage to Georgia in recruiting with those guys, you know, going to Florida, where it's not an advantage is if Florida actually becomes good, right? right? Like, <laughs> if Florida becomes good, that's going to affect Georgia more more so than, than just not being able to get players out of there. But um, I, I agree with your list. I would add Texas A&M because who knows what Texas A&M could have done the last two years if they had had a really good quarterback. Um, if Jimbo gets one, maybe um, that changes things. You know, off the top of my head, I, I, I can't think of another one. I, I just – I. You know, maybe maybe Florida State, but Florida State's going to have to upgrade recruiting all over the roster again first before the quarterback would make enough difference for them. But uh, we, you know, we've seen it. We, we know we know how much difference it makes to have the quarterback. I think the big thing is, what's the likelihood that two or three of the schools that are already dominating are not also going to have a great quarterback? Right. Because in recent years they have. Um, but but yeah, you, you get a Joe Burrow and you got the receivers and running backs and all that to go with them, then you can have that, that one great year. All right, I'm going Napier and Lincoln Riley turn the corner before any of the others that we were discussing. But we'll see. Hey, it was we'll uh, see, man. it was great to catch up, and uh, we'll talk soon. All right, thank you, guys. Brad okay. Edwards on the Corona Premier Guest Line. Joining us on the Out of Bounds Show, 105.9 The Zone ESPN, author of the book, Dynasty by the Numbers on the Saban era and the greatest decade-plus run in college football history. Brad Evers joining us on the Out of Bounds Show. If you missed any of the show, please hit Apple Podcasts or Spotify and search Out of Bounds with Bow Bounds. We'll be back tomorrow. Mike Detillier, WWL Radio TV, New Orleans at 830. Breeze back in the NFL.